It's that time of year. Cash the ticket. Jim Costa with Mike Valeni. We shift the focus from football to college hoops, getting us ready for the tournament where we're going to break down all the matchups and have an eye on some future plays, too. Search Cash the Ticket on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, welcome. Uh, it is Bowerly on News Radio 930 WBEN. Um, hour four already. Hourly with Bowerly. I don't know where these shows have been going, but they've been zipping right by uh, at the speed of light. So, uh, talking about haunted places in western New York. How about the old McDonald's Frontier House in uh, is it Youngstown, Lewiston? That That is supposedly haunted. Old Fort Niagara, Rolling Hills, the Hinsdale Haunted House. Um, have you been actively looking for ghosts on a ghost hunt? Did you find any? I've never spoken with anybody who spent any time at Rolling Hills who doesn't have a story about something creepy they experienced or recorded. Also, near-death experience. Have you had a near-death experience, like a spiritual near-death experience? And along those lines, have you actually encountered a real-life angel who came along to help you out and now you don't know where they are, but you know they were there. Or were they really there? Hmm. 803-0930, star 930, 1-800-616-WBEN. Uh, let's go to Ron in Chictawaga. Ron, you are on. Hello. Hello. How you doing, Tom? Oh, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood, a little bit chilly, but uh, traffic's behaving itself, which surprises me. Well, that's good. What can I do for you, sir? Well, so far I'm six feet above the ground. Well, I, I'm i not used to taking calls from the dead, so that had been my assumption. <laughs> Is there a reason why? Although sometimes maybe I have taken calls from the dead. I'll talk to Josh about his screening. But um, as far as uh, it, you, you seem as though you're surprised you're above, you're six feet over uh, above ground. Well, back in 1987, I'm 68 years old. So back in 1987, I had severe numbness in my left arm. So my father took me to the hospital, and they did the angiogram, and then they did the angioplasty. I had a balloon put in. Mm -hmm. Well, in 1993, everything fell apart. Well, I had a heart attack. So I had bypass surgery. So they cut my chest open. I had triple bypass surgery. That lasted until May of 2014. And I went golfing for my golf league. I came home. I'm sitting in the recliner. And all of a sudden, my girlfriend goes, what's wrong? She goes, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. So they called the fire trucks right down the street. They came down. And they took me straight to ECMC. No, Buffalo General. I'm sorry. And I had bypass surgery again. Well, they went through my ribs. And after they went through my ribs, it was Dr. Gary. I, I don't need names. Okay, no names. Okay. All right. I'm sorry. All right. So after I had the surgery, uh, two days later, my girlfriend's cousin and her boyfriend came to visit me. Well, after about 45 seconds, they said I was staring at the wall. Nothing. 
They called the nurse in. I had to get paddled. Well, they paddled me, and I came about. So they monitored me very good. So the following day, the nurse came in. The same thing happened. So I had the bypass surgery. I still had one blockage. So what they did is they sent me to Strong Memorial Hospital in Rochester. I was there for about four or five days before they diagnosed the problem that I had the blockage again, one blockage. So they did the old angiogram again, and then they did the rotor Right, but but did you? I mean, I, I understand what you're describing, but did you leave your body? Did you have an out of body experience? Uh, oh yeah, at the the first time I had to get paddled, I seen like people all in front of me that I knew. Okay, now that's this is the juicy stuff right here. Okay. Yeah, I seen everybody I knew from when I was a little kid. Were these people I mean, all dead? Uh, some of them are. I mean, my father passed away 27 years ago. My mom's still 94 years old. and uh, But I seen everybody right in front of me from my golf league, from the people I worked with, from the good people, the bad people. It just flashed right by me. Wow. So what what do you think what do you think happened there with your near death experience seeing people I mean people sometimes before death they'll start talking with long past relatives that's a normal thing actually uh, but you actually saw people around you who were still alive Oh yes definitely Wow Oh yeah I see my my ex-wife and my daughter and uh I saw my I saw my mom. She was the one holding the fluffy pillow over my face. I was able to get her away, oh, but <laughs> um, you know that's that's uh, I don't know, man. I don't know what to make about that. Usually, people see people when they think they're dying, and they're always dead people. You saw people who were alive. I seen people who were alive. Yeah, I mean, that's my, like I said. My father been gone since nineteen ninety five. And the second time, I seen him, and he was looking at me like he was smiling. So I'm wondering, when you pass, when you go up there, hopefully I go up there, that do you see everybody looking down that you could watch everybody? And we'll never know until that day comes. Yes, we will never know. Thank you. Thank you very much uh, for the call. I mean, there are some people who say that all that was, what he experienced, was um, neurochemicals, uh, just you know, self uh, chemicals that you produce yourself or uh, after effects of some of the drugs they give you. Because sometimes if you're in pain from a heart attack, they'll give you morphine, they'll give you dilaudid and uh, stuff like that. <clears throat> And it's never enough for me, quite frankly. I always insist on seconds. And could I have some for – can I have a takeout box, please? Uh, let's go to Teresa on a cell phone. Teresa, uh, what is it that's piqued your interest in calling today? Hi, Tom. I wanted to give a call. Um, I, I have had some experiences, but I want to call because my daughter is a local paranormal travel blogger. And what I mean by that, she started an Instagram blog post uh october 1st of 2020 and just out of boredom you know covid and uh, it's really kind of taken off she goes uh all over western new york but mostly up and down the northeast coast 
How, how does she make how, without giving her name or the website or anything? Because I don't want to get burned. How does she actually make money off of doing this? Well, um, she does it. It's a hobby, but she now is uh, making a little bit here on Instagram. She has about sixty-six thousand followers, and not only does she blog post about the places that she visits, but she gives a history on a lot of these rolling hills and uh, Hinsdale. There's another one down south in Salamanca called Wildwood Sanitarium. Super cool place. Um, but she goes into uh, Ohio, Vermont, uh, eastern New York, Pennsylvania, mostly between now, March, and probably she's going to the Lizzie Borden house overnight in November. Oh, that's that's so, super that's super cool. I was just going to mention Lizzie Borden. So, quick question. Yeah. All these travels, has your daughter actually seen anything cool? Without a doubt, they they do do uh, EVPs and they do it what's called an Estes method where uh, you're blindfolded and you have these noise-canceling headphones on. So you sit there and other people are in the room, and they're the ones talking. So she has no idea what questions they're asking whatsoever. She'll say out loud whatever comes through her headphones, you know. And sometimes, more than not, a lot of the answers that she's just throwing out there to their questions they're answering coincide with answers. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's a really she can't hear really the questions she can't hear the questions but she's giving answers to questions she can't hear yes, yes. okay that's really, that's yes. interesting it's called the Estes method I and um, know nothing yeah, about so that she's got, she's got a group of uh, friends that she met you know through this whole blog that she travels around uh, every weekend yeah. Well, wow, that can be exp- that can be expensive, but it sounds like she's really found a niche. I mean, she's got uh, three times as many people on her page than I do. Yeah, yeah, you got to check it out. Could I mention the name of? Her I- I'd prefer that you not, just because it, okay. I, I, I get into problems. Um, yeah. Thank you, thank you very much. I appreciate hearing from you. Just uh, somebody burned me once on a on a web address, and I get really kind of antsy sometimes. So forgive me. 803-0930, star 930, 1-800-616-WBEN. Like, there's a famous sporting goods store, and don't enter the obvious URL. Just don't, especially at work. That took five meetings to resolve. Um, if the lady who just called with the uh, daughter who does the blog, she wants to send me the um, URL of the blog. She wants to send me the information on email, tom at wben.com. I will see what I can do. But I just I don't like people to name names of places or give out web addresses. Um, but you can send it to me, tom at wben.com. And if I can help out, I will certainly help out because I'd like to read that myself. I think a lot of people would. Um, but just giving it to me cold on the air, it just it scares me. I hope you understand why. Here's Mike in Batavia. You're on WBEN. Welcome. Hi, Tom. Howdy. Um, I don't know if you know this, but there is a haunted mansion in Albion. It was featured on Ghost Hunters, Season 1, Episode 3. Um, it's a huge, huge, magnificent house. And uh, it's got a, a huge ballroom off the back of it. Uh, the current owners um, rent out the ballroom and a good portion of the house for like wedding parties. And they have a bridal suite and they have a honeymoon suite, I should say, and a bridal room for the bridesmaids. 
to do their makeup and stuff, and it's got this huge ballroom out back with chandeliers and everything. So did the and, ghost uh, did the ghost hunters find anything in Albion? Uh yes, they did, and it, it, it's 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 an interesting twist because uh, the former owners uh, of the house. Um, it were William and Murdy Carr, and Murdy... I'm trying to do, dude, 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 remember that thing I said about no names? Come on, man, you're killing me. Okay, I'm sorry. Um, well, it's ancient history now, because she died in the 1940s or oh, something. All right, okay. Um, but anyway, she, she had a heart attack and died, and so William got remarried to a person who didn't care about the house. She didn't want to take care of the house, she didn't want to think, and the house fell into disrepair, and uh, it was basically abandoned for years and uh a scottish guy bought it he had visions of of uh of fixing it up to to what it used to be and he spent years doing it and the place is outstanding it's beautiful and um so he decided to sell it but he kept getting all these weird vibes and weird strange things were happening to him uh you know he lived alone in the house but there was doorknobs rattling in the middle of the night he saw a woman laying in one of the beds and he, he jumped back like 10 feet, and she was gone. Hmm. And uh, and he, he, had, he had taken pictures of the place and sent them to his father back in Scotland. And he said, well, well, Dad, what do you think of the place? And he says, who's the woman in the window? There's no woman in the window. I'm here by myself. But sure enough, in one of the windows, there was a vision. There was a, you could plainly see there was a woman's face looking out one of the attic windows. Oh, wow. And then... And then um, he he started getting this vibe like the house didn't want him to leave. You know, he's usually the other way around. The house wants you to leave, wants to kick you out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but but he got this vibe like the house wanted him to stay, and uh, because he had fixed it back up to where it, what it used to be, and uh, so he he contacted ghost hunters. They came out. They did their whole investigation, and uh, they determined not only uh, was Murdy's ghost trying to keep him to stay there because he had fixed the place up. But also his mother's ghost was probably there as well. Um, her name was Mary, and when they were t- when they were saying, "Murdy, we're here to talk to you," you know, it might have been Mary as well. But neither one of them wanted him, him to sell the place. But he he did end up selling the place to this other couple and that the ones that the current owners. But what I'd be curious then is exactly what they recorded on Ghost Hunters. Well, you have to watch the episode, but they recorded uh, sounds of of people. You know, uh, like whooshing sounds and and uh, and stuff like that um, on several occasions. And there was like in, in the background, you could hear help or mama or you know or different words. Oh, you know, wow. on the, when they did the playbacks, you know, later on. Dude, that is and, super. Uh, that is super cool. I mean, I, I'm not gonna lie, that's super cool. So the uh, haunted house in Albion, the haunted mansion in Albion, huh? Yes. Wow. All right, very very interesting stuff, Michael. I thank you very much. All right, you're uh, welcome. There, I I'm learning more about more of these haunted places than I ever thought existed in Western New York. I keep on mentioning Rolling Hills because Rolling Hills is the one everybody says every year. Oh, Tom, you got to come out to Rolling Hills. You have to come to Rolling Hills uh, in East Bethany, New York, and it's just. You know, probably isn't it? Probably isn't going to happen, especially at this point. It probably isn't going to happen. But if you um, if you have uh, had the chance to be at Rolling Hills or to actually be a ghost hunter, tell us if you've actually come across anything in your investigations of uh, the paranormal. Very curious about that. Have you actually uncovered a ghost? Also, 
Uh, a couple of other things. Have, I, I can't believe not more people have called in on near-death experiences. And I don't mean that you had a close call with death. I mean something spiritual happened to you and you thought you were dying. Has anybody out there been pronounced dead and you say, but wait, I was just hanging out with Jesus. I don't want to go back home. Anybody? Anybody? And uh, have you had a close encounter with a real, um, with a real angel? The NFTA is trying to find a good Samaritan who helped to revive a woman who went into cardiac arrest on one of their buses, trying to track down this good Samaritan who was able to keep her alive. Maybe it was an angel. It's that time of year. Cash the ticket. Jim Costa with Mike Valeni. We shift the focus from football to college hoops, getting us ready for the tournament where we're going to break down all the matchups and have an eye on some future plays too. Search Cash the Ticket on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome. It is Bowerly News Radio 930 WBEN. Uh, just looking at the 1791 Society's page, uh, it's been 45 years since uh, police officer David Tolsma, 32 years old, died in the line of duty uh, at a hotel robbery on Genesee Street. Now, as I recall, uh, back in about 1975, uh, David Tolsma, when he was a Depew cop, actually was able to lift a car off of somebody and save their life. And uh, one of the guys that Tolsma was working with that day was a guy I would later come to know, Lieutenant Rick Roll of the uh, Cheektowaga PD, who was uh, very upset, needless to say, about the, the death of his, uh, of his buddy. And, and speaking of ghostly things, in one of the newspaper photographs of the, um, uh, the suspect who killed Tolsma, um, there is what looks to be an apparition staring right at the suspect. Rick showed it to me. I, I did not, at that point, we didn't have cell phones. I couldn't take a picture of it, but uh, I, it's just weird that I saw that story in 1791 today and uh, remembered that story. And, you know, if you were a member of uh, Officer Tolsma's family, obviously a grim anniversary. And uh, we remember his uh, sacrifice, and I still remember uh, Lieutenant Rick talking about that. Let's go to Bill in uh, Wheatfield. You're on WBEN. Bill, hello. Yes, hello, Tom. Uh, this is a story about uh, when I was in Gettysburg. Oh, good. Yeah, with uh, my son. This was 2004. And this was before digital cameras. It was, uh, you know, cameras with film. And um, you know, you, was, you realize, forgive the interruption, but you realize that we need to explain exactly what you're talking about. Back in the old days, kids, uh, we used to have cameras. Used to put cartridge in in them. They'd have twelve pictures, maybe twenty four pictures, maybe thirty six pictures. You would take pictures. You couldn't see them right away. Okay, you couldn't put a filter on them right away. You'd take them to a a developing place, like a photo shop, and then they would develop the pictures, and about a year later, you'd pick them up. Uh, so that's what uh, he's talking about there. So anyway, this is Gettysburg 2004, before digital cameras, when we still had to rely on film and uh, uh, working in those little shops and plazas, collecting film to be developed. Yes, and I, I, I uh, was 
at the time was taking a lot of pictures. I took photography classes, so I was really into it, you know. So I'd, I'd spent a lot of money on film and, um, you know, thousands of pictures I'd taken. Well, I took my 10-year-old son to Gettysburg, uh, was with a cousin and his uh, young son. And uh, one of the things that, you know, kids being young, there was a, a ghost walk that you could go on. And it was just, it was kind of interesting. You know, they showed the bullet hole in the door. I think you said you've been there, haven't you, Tom? Yeah, you're talking about the bullet hole in the Jenny Wade house. She was the civilian killed uh, during the Battle of Gettysburg. Correct, correct. I think she was the first person killed. Uh, no, she was, I think, the only civilian that was killed okay. in the battle the that we know about. Yes. Okay, stuff like that. So uh, did the ghost walk, and after the ghost walk upstairs, uh, you, they had a whole collection of orbs. Now, you know what the orbs are. Yeah, orbs do nothing for me. Okay, well. <laughs> they're dust and they're bugs, nothing more. Okay, well, maybe this won't do anything for you, but I'll tell you the story. So there are a lot of pictures of orbs. Well, you know, what makes a picture of an orb? So anyways, afterwards, no, I think it was before when we were waiting in line. Uh, my son, I never let him use the camera before, but he was bugging me. He wanted to take some pictures. So he took a picture of me. This was at night, uh, standing uh, like on the street in the dark, uh, close to the place. And what happened in the picture? There was an orb. And, probably, uh, and, probably. All right, uh, Bill. Thank you. Thank you very much. I, I appreciate it. I, I, I hope you forgive me. I'm not trying to be rude, but orbs don't do anything for me. And the reason they don't do anything for me, it has been demonstrated to my satisfaction that orb pictures are nothing but pieces of dust or bugs that are captured. That's all they are. They're not some spiritual thing. There's there's not some energy behind them. It's just simple dust. I've taken enough pictures of things. Oh, that's an orb. No, actually, it was a really dusty room. And I, I'm sorry, but I, I cannot back up from... Um, my belief that if you're going to seriously talk about stuff that is in the realm of the paranormal, that you always still have to use Occam's razor, meaning that the most likely explanation is the most logical explanation. And if you take a picture and there's a so-called orb in the picture, the most likely explanation is not that it's Grandma Matilda come to say hello, the most logical explanation is it's dust. It's a bug. It's nothing more, especially Gettysburg in the summertime. It's a very southern, humid climate, and there's a lot of flying things in the air. So, of course, you're going to capture things on film or on digital camera that look like orbs, but I know what they are. They're dust. They're nothing but they're, they're, they're nothing of, of any um, evidentiary value whatsoever. So as far as orb pictures are concerned, 
with all respect, they don't do anything for me. And I might add, I might add that the guys on the Ghost Hunters show, you know, the big guys, the professionals, they'll pretty much say the same thing. They are not really into the orb pictures, and they basically, on many occasions, somebody would come to them all excited, oh, it's an orb, it's an orb, and it really was absolutely um, it was inconclusive at best, and at worst, it was just dust or a bug in the air. But have you uh, have you been ghost hunting, and have you uh, have you found anything interesting? Now, somebody did send me a picture of a, I guess, a skull-like thing that I believe they called in about earlier today. I did put it up on the Bowerly on WBEN Facebook page. I have no idea what I'm looking at. I have no idea what I'm seeing. There is something there. What it is, I have absolutely, like I say, I have no idea. And it's like the uh, picture of the gravestone at Forest Lawn that the guy sent in a couple of weeks ago. Now, some of you say that you very clearly see the figure of a woman sitting on the obelisk. Well, I see something which could be flame or it could be light in the windshield of the vehicle. I don't know. I cannot tell you definitively and conclusively, yep, that is the picture of a ghost. That is definitely a woman who is sitting on the obelisk. I can't say that. I don't know. Some of you see it that way, but not everybody sees it that way. I don't see it that way, but then again, as I've said, my up close vision um, leaves something to be uh, leaves something to be desired, and I gotta walk around with a whole bunch of glasses half the time. So, yeah, it is what it is. But anyway, um, if you've been at uh, uh, if you've been to Rolling Hills, if you've been to uh, Lewiston Frontier House, what, what's the other place? The Brown Jug, something about a jug in Youngstown or Lewiston. Oh, it's going to drive me nuts now. The Jolly Jug. Ah, oh, it's going to drive me crazy. Anyway, supposedly that's haunted. Old Fort Niagara. We've heard about the Hinsdale Haunted House. Anybody do the Hinsdale Haunted House? We've heard about that. Um, did you get anything that was of superior evidentiary value? Those of you who uh, go on ghost hunts, have you gotten any good EVPs, electronic voice phenomena? which, by the way, I find that interesting. See, EVPs are not like orbs. EVPs are, you can hear what they are saying. You can verify there was nobody talking in the real world at the time the EVP was actually recorded. What is an EVP? I don't know what makes an EVP happen. I have no idea. Um, I believe there's some level of consciousness there because with my EVP, uh, clearly the voice was responding to a question that I'd asked, but what exactly it is, I don't have a clue. But that is, I think, better evidence than <clears throat> what some people get carried away by with these orbs, uh, orb pictures. Whether you take them at Gettysburg or in your basement, 
if you take a picture with a flash especially, and sometimes without a flash, you're going to get things that look like orbs, and they're going to be dust or bugs or something like that. There's nothing um, exotic. There's nothing mysterious about them other than uh, they could use a dose of Merry Maids or Hazel or something. 803-0930 is the uh, phone number, star 930 on the cell phone, and 1-800-616-WBEN. Um, can we go to traffic now um, and go to Alan Harris and then uh, get more calls on? 803-0930, star 930, 1-800-616-WBEN. Uh, somebody wanted to know if I was going to do a special Sunday night ghost show this year. Um, unfortunately, this year I will be unable to <clears throat> to bring that to you. I uh, I apologize. It's just it uh, it's it's not going to be workable. It's not going to be practical, and I'm sorry. Let's go to Mike in Depew with a near death experience, a real bona fide near death experience. Speak to us, sir. Hi, Tom. Yes, sir. Yeah. Um, August first of this year, had open heart surgery. Everything went fine. The second day, I'm in the ICU, and one of the arteries broke loose, and I coded. And within seconds, um, the weight came over my eyes. And the next minute, I was floating over a forest, beautiful, beautiful forest, pine trees. And at will, I could go down through them, and I could see the whole universe. It was bizarre. I never saw God or anything like that. But, and it just lasted for a while, and I was a total peace. Um, when, when you say, okay, when you say at will, you could go through the, the pine trees, it, it was almost like mm-hmm. your body was an airplane and you were in control? Exactly. I was in control, and I could at will go down through the trees. This is crazy, but on the other side were the base of the trees would be, I could go through it, and I could see the whole universe. Okay, when you say you could see the whole universe, can you describe it to us? <laughs> Every star in the sky imaginable. And it was just, it was just awesome. Do you have any just sense? Awesome. Do you have any sense for where you might have been in the universe at that moment? I do not. All like from left to right, top to bottom, all I could see was stars. Just a, 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 a sky full of stars. Wow. What el- well, keep telling your story. This is fascinating. What else happened? Well, I was there for a while, just in awe, so to speak, and then, then the next day, I woke up, and that was it. I mean, I didn't go through a tunnel, didn't see any bright lights. It was as simple as that. But the, the funny thing of it is, when this happened, there was absolutely no pain at all. I was at total peace. And they had to reopen me up. Right. I mean, they just had open heart. They had to crack me back open. And absolutely no pain. Nothing but peace. You know, I'm I'm amazing that they they caught that in time. Uh, I'm amazed you're still here. I don't know how no. common it is that your artery actually basically comes undone from your heart, but it seems to me like it was completely off. 
I'm not sure. I never got a total answer. Oh, I'd be beg I'd be begging for that answer. And that's I mean that's pretty that's pretty remarkable. Um and yeah. Well, one of the things too that they do when you have open heart surgery, they they actually have wires that they keep attached to your heart for um, a week, two weeks after the surgery itself, in case you need to be defibrillated. They've got a direct link to your heart. Forget the paddles. Yeah. They just well, hook you up to a car battery. Yeah. My sternum was wired, of course, and then they had to break that loose again. Yep. And when this happened, I could literally feel the blood flowing. And within, boy, 15 seconds, I could feel myself going. And I heard the nurses yelling, he's coding, he's coding, he's coding. And the only thing I could think of uh, was my family. And then uh, that was it. Wow, dude, I yeah. that that is an amazing story because uh, many of us listening to this show, we've been there. We've been in the cardiac ICU. We went mm-hmm. through the whole thing where they de-intubate you and they tell you, relax, just relax, just breathe. Right. Like you want to say, I am relaxed. Get the damn tubes out of my mouth. <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I can't believe yeah. that that happened to you. And I, I feel yeah. like uh, it, I'm, I'm amazed that you're that you're still alive. When you say you yeah. can actually feel the blood spilling out inside of you, um, absolutely, I can absolutely imagine how horrible that must have been. Glad you're here, man. Glad you survived. Yeah, me too. All right, thank. And the nurse was in the room at the time, so. Yeah. Well, thank thank God for that. Uh, of course, in the post-COVID uh, era, maybe it wouldn't have been that way. But uh, I know. Uh, thank you, thank you very much. Wow, that sure. is. Um, that is that. That's amazing to me. Um, absolutely beyond amazing. Because when you go through open heart surgery, that's that's a big deal. And when if if something comes loose after you think you're in the clear, I, I can't imagine. And I, I can certainly understand just going out within about fifteen seconds easily. Uh, but I'm I'm surprised he's still with us. I don't know how common that is though. Don't know how common some, a complication like that is. Obviously, complications can happen in uh, any surgery. That's why I'm not I'm not a big fan of surgery unless absolutely uh, positively necessary. But uh, you know, you do what you uh, you do what you have to do. Um, it is, uh, and this year I've made quite a lot of money for quite a lot of surgeons with no end in sight. Uh, it is Bowerly for. I mean, Josh is going to do the next operation just to save money and everything. Kind of cool. We all agree that reducing carbon emissions is a good thing. And once again, Toyota is leading the way. We hear a lot about fully electric vehicles, and Toyota has them with more on the way. But we also know a BEV is not for everyone, whether it's because of cost, range, or concern about finding a charging station when you need it. Plus, the raw materials used to manufacture batteries are limited. Enter Beyond Zero, Toyota's vision for a carbon-neutral future. In vehicles and in manufacturing plants, too, in the years ahead. The materials used to make just one long-range battery for an EV could be used to make batteries for six plug-in hybrids or 90 gas-electric hybrids. That's why Toyota's position today is electrified diversified, empowering you to choose how to reduce your own carbon footprint with the vehicle that's right for you. A hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or battery EV. So shop, learn more, and get details at toyota.com slash beyondzero. Toyota, let's go places. 
It's that time of year. Cash the ticket. Jim Costa with Mike Valeni. We shift the focus from football to college hoops, getting us ready for the tournament where we're going to break down all the matchups and have an eye on some future plays too. Search Cash the Ticket on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.